Secrets from a Coach. Thrive and maximise your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson of Phenomenal Training. Debs. Law, you all right, lovely? Yeah, I'm really good. What about the football? Isn't it exciting? How exciting is that? It's coming home. Well, um, depending on the time that people are listening to this, we shall then know, won't we, whether it was or not. But I would not uh, consider myself a football fan, but my gosh, it was inspiring just looking at the fitness levels and also just the amount of confidence and poise in those kind of extreme moments of pressure. I'm not sure I've got the ability to be able to perform like that in front of all of those thousands. I mean, that's the training, I guess, isn't it? That's what then gives you that ability to pull that off in that moment. Yeah, and and that's it, being totally focused on the job in hand and not having any distractions around you. And just as you say, you're playing for the team and you all know your job. And you know what you've got to do and you've just got to be focused for that 90 minutes or as it went on extra half an hour, um, you know, to be completely focused in that moment and not let anything distract you is just incredible. I know. I'm really envious because I could do with some of that when there's a proposal, you know, deadline looming or there's some content coming up. And as always, life is content, isn't it, Debs? And it got us thinking about how actually, you know, if everything feels a little bit go, go, go at the moment, as we've got Freedom Day and restrictions changing and there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise out there happening in the stadium of life at the moment, (laughs) isn't there? How able are we able to hold our nerve and just, you know, concentrate and focus on what's needed. And I think it's been quite interesting every now and then to do a bit of metacognition, which is the fancy term for thinking about your thinking. And I guess, Debs, I'm not paid for my legs, am I? I'm I'm paid for my brain, I guess, to be able to think under pressure and communicate. And I sort of think, wow, actually, if I were to give the same care and attention, if we were all to give the same care and attention to our professional kit which for many of us is our brain, you know, to be able to think through things and process stuff and be able to communicate. Um, How fit are our brains at the moment? And could it be that there's a lot of fear and adrenaline and cortisol that's rushing around our brains at the moment? And in your experience, what impact does someone in fear state have on their ability to be effective in the moments that count? You know, we were talking about what's coming through is a lot of worry and anxiety, um, and it is the norm. But actually, that was before COVID. So you can imagine it's worse now for some people. And as you said, going back to as people are terming it Freedom Day, it's creating that fear around what do I do? Can I think straight? And when we think about if our brain is getting hijacked because we're not thinking straight and because we're running on emotion and trying to survive, basically going back to our old brain, as you always call it, it's that bit that says, how do I slow my thinking down so that I'll slow my brain down so it can think? Um, So we take, as you know, we're having an amygdala hijack, you know, our brain um, takes the low road. So it just has an event, reacts and then goes, oh, I've survived it. Or do we take the high road, which is something's happened let me stop and think, and then let me move forward with it. So it's that bit that says, you know, how do we enable ourselves, I suppose, to start thinking straight and focus right now and be in the moment? For me personally, I I think the gift of anxiety 
is the, uh, which can feel like a curse, is actually creativity. You know, if your brain is able to sit there at 11 o'clock at night worrying about all the things that may or may not happen, well, actually, that means you've then got an ability, a capability to be able to dream or envision the things that have never happened before, which is creativity. And I guess it's two sides of the same coin, isn't it? To have all of that processing power that is kind of, you know, rolling, going 10 to the dozen, then equally, that's also your bit of kit that enables you to run quickly when you're dealing with new information that needs to be processed. Yeah, if we talk about have being in the theatre of our mind. So if our brain is thinking one way, like, oh my God, oh my God, it can also think the other way. So sometimes we have to step onto that stage and go, well, what if there were two sides to this? And actually move our brain to think of the other side, which is what I always you know, love about that. Because you, you know, if you think of the theatre, you've got the unhappy face, you've got the smiley face, right, that go together. That represents the theatre. And I think that's what our brain does as well. You know, if we can think negative all the time. But what if we could flip that thinking? Because we can, because it's all happening in our brain. And that's the, you know, that's the magic, if you like, of slowing down and being able to um, pause for a moment and come back into now, into the be present and think about, is this real? Uh, no, I've just made it up. You know, and because we love certainty as humans, um, we in the absence of that, we do make it up. So and that's that bit about who's controlling, how are you controlling your brain? Is it your thoughts or is it real? Which I guess then the whole metacognition thing is it's just an opportunity to sort of observe what is the quality like of my brain activity at the moment, just like you would as a a physical athlete. The same, therefore, could apply to being a cognitive athlete if we were to put a term on this, which is if you just think about the hurdles and the um, racing that your brain has had to go through, just even in the half hour leading up to listening to this, you know, it's been through some real kind of um, rigours. And um, I think there's something I know people have enjoyed it, Debs, on the sessions we've been running about if we were to just replace the word mental health with physical health um, and to flip that, then actually if you were being paid for your physical health, so let's say you're a sports person, you'd be expected to rest, to nurture, to have downtime because you can't be running 24-7 and still win the race. If you transfer that into the mental health world, then it suddenly enables you to look at rest in a much more empowered, confident, assertive way, which is if I don't stop and rest my brain, what quality is the output going to be? And actually, at some point, my body may start giving me some uh, indicators that, you know, I need to do something to look after that, which hence the reason why July is all about self-care. But in particular... Our topic at the moment is about the brain. So I love it when you can find out a little bit of information that allows you to understand why. Because I think once we understand why, we are then motivated to then prioritise it and make decisions. So in terms of our brain activity, I know we've been talking recently about being able to hack our brain chemistry. So activating those (laughs) feel-good brain chemistry. So if I just maybe run through that and then you can give us some thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in terms of where you've seen people being able to put some simple techniques into place. So so as I I understand it, um, adrenaline and cortisol are the kind of fight or flight chemicals. So for example, um, uh, foxes in fox hunting, actually they're able to tell if a fox has been hunted or not, has been chased, because you can measure the levels of cortisol in its blood. So cortisol is that instinct of 
I'm in threat, that's what then gets released to be able to give all your muscles the energy it needs to run. Now, that might work for the short term to kind of get your brain to knuckle down and concentrate when you've got a short term deadline. The challenge I think many people are feeling at the moment is, cool, it can be relentless, it can tire your brain out and actually it can lead to you feeling dizzy, um, brain fog, clouded, overwrought, um, overwhelming thoughts, choose your weapon, all those kind of things that are sort of going around at the moment. So actually, if we were to make a conscious decision to shift from fear to focus, well, we've got to know what it is that we're looking for in the first place. So apparently there are four feel-good hormones that tend to influence our brain activity. Number one, serotonin. So depending on your own interest in this area, you'd have heard of serotonin. And when um, we're not feeling great, our serotonin levels potentially are depleted. We've got dopamine, we've got oxytocin, and we've got endorphins. So I remember this as dose, D-O-S-E. Oh, dopamine, that's a good way of reminding oxytocin, it. Yeah. serotonin, <laughs> endorphins. So how do we get a dose of the feel-good stuff in our brain? Okay, so dopamine. That's the little buzz we get when we kind of go, yes, I've completed that. For anyone working on long-term, never-ending projects at the moment that are requiring marathon levels of long focus, that could be impacting your dopamine levels. Could it be time to get some short, sharp bursts of deadlines back in again? Because that buzz you get when you go, tick, we've done that, our brain likes that. And it will be looking for ways to do that. Yeah, I think that leads into that being able to write down your priorities around that law. So making sure that you spend a few minutes, maybe in the evening, and writing down and working out your plan for the next few days. And I know you do that on your supersized post-its where you um, write down what your plan is. But it's that bit that says, you know, making sure you're putting those real challenging tasks at the top uh, and thinking about how you can then build on them and work on them maybe in 90 minute slots, as we call it, because our brain needs a rest and needs a break. You know, a bit like going back to the football, you know, they play for 90 minutes and that's for a reason. So it's thinking about what can we do? And then I think also then, you know, once you've written everything down, it sort of lessens the cognitive load, which then you can, once you've started working your way through it, you can tick that stuff off. And then that's what um, gives you that shot of dopamine that enables you to go, yes, I've made that happen. And it motivates you to want to do more. Yeah, love it. Um, second one then, the O is oxytocin. So if anyone has had a newborn in their life, oxytocin is that love hormone. So oxytocin is what gets released. That means you can put up with anything <laughs> for those first six weeks. No sleep, no gratification. The baby doesn't even smile at you yet, does it? You know, you literally are doing this, running on empty, all of that kind of care that's required. And it's oxytocin that's the magic brain drug that then does that. So oxytocin is releases those senses of um, intimacy and trust. Now, what has been fascinating, Debs, and of course, we're not going to say who's been telling us this information, but there definitely has been an increase in people's irritation with fellow colleagues. So where there might have been huge amounts of team love, maybe kind of, you know, 16, 18 months ago, the love has worn off a little bit. 
It's actually just people giving me tasks uh, rather than the kind of the person and the character. It's more, oh, my inbox has got all these kind of emails in it. And then you stop and you think and you ask, well, when's the last time you actually saw that person? And it's months ago. What does that mean? That means the oxytocin has worn off. <laughs> of course yeah. you're going to find them irritating. We, we, people, other, you know, <laughs> hell is other back. people, isn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah. so of course, so you've got to get the bond back. So the oxytocin yes. is the feeling that I am checked in. So think about some of the projects that you're working with or some of the things that are causing you kind of, you know, requiring effort at the moment. How close are you feeling with that team? Could it be just booking in a half hour catch up over coffee could restore that oxytocin buzz, which is I may not agree with what you're saying, but I like you, which means that actually this work is going to energise me rather than irritate me. Yeah, and you're so right, Law. We did um, some deep dive focus groups this week with one of our clients around, of all things, health and well-being and diversity and inclusion, and just getting you know random people onto a Zoom call that was then to talk about their experiences and share their stories. And the, I was, we were blown away by the amount of follow-up emails that we got that went that was really good to just have the space to talk I felt like I connected back with my team and we don't have that we only ever talk about work and and just in that 90 minute session we were doing with them you could see their energy shifting from like oh what are we doing this for here's another zoom call but by the end of it, they they we couldn't get them off of the call. Yeah, we go, we're gonna have to go on to the next one because they were so buzzing off of that connection again. It was it was really magical to see, actually. Really valuable. And that's the oxytocin kicking in, which is, oh, I like these people. I don't feel so alienated, I don't feel so isolated. And so um, so that's the that's the O. So we've got dopamine. Um, give yourself some feel-good tasks. We've got oxytocin, get bonded, and then we've got serotonin. So serotonin is that feeling special after recognition. It's that warmth that floods through your body of someone saying, thank you for doing that. And that, oh, that kind of feeling that someone has recognised. It's that sense of connection that it means it's something that's kind of bigger than just you. So that feeling part of a team, the singing in the national anthem, something that means there's more than just me here. So that sends a message, I think, to our brain of I'm safe. I'm safe because I know that there's something more than me. I don't have to watch my back because I know there's this serotonin feel around me of I've got my back being kind of watched. And so something that can help with that is just having the sense of a work buddy, a running mate. I mean, I think I think uh, for any running friends that I've got, running with someone is much more sustainable than it being forever a solo run. You know, and it's that feeling that actually I'm going to go out there and do it because it's more than just me. And that's the serotonin bit. So if work is feeling a little bit hard and a bit work at the moment, can you get yourself a running mate? Just something to give you that equivalent, that serotonin, which is there's more than just me in on this. Yeah, and I think we've noticed that even with our team law, haven't we, over the last 18 months, is how important it is that you know someone's got your back and that you can have that connection again with that individual that says, yeah, actually, I'm I'm safe. I'm not going to be cast out, if you like, out of my cave and my tribe are no longer with me. As if we go back to our old way of thinking, our survival instinct, it's that sense of, yeah, I do belong. And I think it's the belonging bit that enables that for us to feel more, if you like, motivated, part of something, being part of a community. All of these little things make a big difference. And uh, even if, you know, we've been speaking to people that have felt quite lonely 
And it's like, okay, helping them to understand what else they could do that could get that connection back as they feel part of it. But, you know, and people know that their boss has got their back or they have got their buddy at work or, you know, that is is there for them. And and just by, as you say, introducing even that into that into that space enables that person to feel safe and secure and also a level of trust I think yeah. gets built from that and yeah. it's okay to be vulnerable and just to say this is how I'm you know what this is how I'm feeling today and that's okay yeah the challenge is though Debs is I'm not getting that vibe from mass media at the moment so I'm not getting that vibe that we're all in it together and everyone's going to be very open-minded about each other's beliefs. It's so fight kind of out there. It's it's really antagonistic as opposed to, what do they call it in family law now? Rather than um, a, a, a opponent, it's the collaborative law is what's they yes. looked for now, where you were actually, you're encouraged to collaborate together and come up with rather than combative. So rather than being in combat, you actually collaborate and you're much likely to get there much more effectively and cheaper in terms of needing to access kind of legal help. But in terms of that kind of getting the serotonin, no wonder everyone's a bit battered. If you look on the news, someone's getting battered somewhere, aren't they? Either, you know, you're wrong to be doing this or you're right to be doing this. And it's all a bit of a fight. And I guess what that then requires from a, a, a brain chemistry point of view is we may have to work harder to maintain our own cognitive health because the pitch is a bit muddy at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I think you're right. And the lines have got a bit blurry now. It's been yeah. played like Wimbledon too often and you can hardly see the lines at the end. So it's how do, we, how do we do it and how do we do it well, I suppose. But it comes back to that self-care. It has to start with you. It has to start with you feeling like you're um, back in control, um, have a sense of control. You've controlled your environment. So even your work desk, if it's crazy busy and it's got loads of paper on it and loads of things that stimulate you, that's not going to help your brain function well because it's got too many things going on around it. So it's about let me be mindful and maybe think about my own mindfulness and go, you know, what do I do now? Yeah. And the final of the four, so we've got dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin. The fourth neurotransmitter, the fourth uh, brain chemical is endorphins. So endorphins are that rush of energy that you get when you see the finishing line, for example. So I think the endorphin bit is interesting. So, you know, exercise releases endorphins. It's that feeling of, God, I was tired when I first started this exercising, but I feel great now. And it's that kind of rush of positive energy that we then get. Do you remember, Des, when we were researching for one of the uh, complimentary webinars we did about how um, Arctic expedition teams are trained for the Arctic expedition. Do you remember? So right at the start of lockdown, oh, the naivety when we thought it was just going to be a six I, month. Anyway. Yeah, um, if only. If only. But I remember us then being really inspired by the fact that what's the difference between a bunch of randoms that go, I'm going to go to the Arctic and an actual team that have been trained for it is you're not trained for the first three months to actually go out there and do your research. You're trained to be able to hold your nerve for the uncertainty of exactly when the boat is able to make its passage back through ice. And we just thought there were some really nice transferables there in terms of no one really knows exactly what dates where it's going to happen. Rather like a stranded expedition team, you've got to wait until the environment defrosts the, the, the ice and then you go. Now, you've either got a team that goes slowly mad and turn in on each other on that expedition trip um, or you've got a team who are able to work healthily with each other, maintain those pristine relationships 
and be able to work well. So I think from an endorphin point of view, the training is how am I going to keep myself going for the long run? And what does that mean? Rather than fear and dread, it's that feeling of kind of hope and optimism, I guess, which is how am I going to look after myself to then be able to have the energy I need as and when these new opportunities come along? And there was just something that I picked up about how I'm sure you've got some as well, but in fact, even talking about your workload and what's going on for you makes the workload seem lighter. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's another thing is that checking in on yourself and that's that write your priority list, I think, as well, um, and pay attention. And also, I think there's also this thing which I loved when I first found out about this is that, you know what, you know, stop trying to multitask as well. You know, and I'm sure those, you know, the people on that expedition, they did one job and that was their job to make sure that happened. And a bit like sports teams, they know their role you know, and what they do because actually multitasking is a myth. Our brain simply cannot do it. OK, we can only really. Yes, we can walk and talk at the same time, obviously. But when it comes to paying attention, your brain can only operate on one thing at a time. So we might do lots of little things, but if we're trying to cram so much in and make the tea and feed the cats and pick up some work and read an email, and we just miss something. So we're not capable of multitasking. So it blows that myth right out of the water. And the better we just be in the moment with it and focus on, let me get this done, then let me get this done, you're actually keeping your brain healthier by doing that. Yeah. Wow. God, that's ever so interesting. That's really resonant, actually, for a client I'm working with at the moment who's seeing that um, people are basically doing lots of other roles whilst they're doing one role. And actually, it can seem quite heady and exciting at the start, but you just end up with people not being able to fully concentrate on something. You know, you're either in or you're not. It's a bit like a a bacon and eggs breakfast. You know, (laughs) the chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. (laughs) (laughs) you know are you in or you just sort of pretending to be sort of in you know that's really interesting about the multitasking thing of course we're different you know we are different of course we are (laughs) I mean that's it we all like to think we're kind of unique and different and of course we are but there is something quite useful I think to remind ourselves that we are a race of people we are a species the human race and um, actually what that then means is is we can learn stuff from other industries and from science and how do we get the best out of ourselves and I think it's going to be very interesting to see even more of the research coming out in this decade because it's such a hot sexy topic at the moment all this kind of neuroscience stuff and where the word cognitive was the sort of oh here we go the boring stuff when I did my degree umpteen years ago cognitive is quite a hot word right now you've even seen it in people's job titles you know so I think uh, there's some really interesting opportunity for anyone who's looking to sustain top quality performance in the long run with minimal strain on our health could now be the time to do a bit of metacognition, which is devoting some time and energy to looking after what quite possibly is your biggest career asset, which is your brain. And what might that mean? And for me, I hadn't actually ever really thought about how do I run my brain in the most optimum way? And even just knowing that dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, getting the dose of the good stuff is probably good for the long marathon of work, even though in the short term, all your fear, fight and flight gets you to attend in the short term, but at what cost? And of course, it makes it more enjoyable as well, because then you get into the flow. You get into the flow of work and then time flies by and then you're done and you can crack on with the rest of your life stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I think, as we said, you know, making sure that, you know, we put in some good practice around, you know, helping our brain rest, 
you know, so as well as maybe, you know, thinking about being you know mindful, as we said earlier, um, being present in the moment can also help. Focusing on one thing at a time, not a million other things um, can actually help us as well. Um, and, you know, give our brain a break, you know, be kind to it. It needs it because it's the, you know, it's, it's, um, I suppose it's the, one of the, probably one of the main organs of the body that will tire the quickest if we don't give it a break. Like you were talking, you know, a- athletes and sports people rest their bodies. Um, so why don't we rest our brain, as we said? Yeah. Uh, now, listen, talking about the fact that you're saying that we like to have, uh, you know, not multitasking, focusing on one thing. What would be your top 42 tips? Only joking. <laughs> what would be your core, <laughs> core call to action on this week, Dev? Because as we know, Secrets of a Coach, it's all about bit of chat, bit of learning, and then right then, so what? What we're going to put into practice? What would your call to action be this week? Yeah, I'd love to give you 42 things to think about because <laughs> there are loads, but... Um, <laughs> Um, but I think my one is always that bit about just letting go of the result and wait to see what happens. So go with the flow of it. Yeah. My share of the secret would be think of someone in your life with whom you know has a tendency to have an anxious brain. Get them to listen to this and remind themselves that behind all of that kind of pain of anxiety is the glory of creativity. And maybe just flipping it, as you said earlier, flipping it from the gift. It can seem like a curse, anxiety, but that big old brain that's whirring around. Wow. If you're able to put that into the into the focus, so shift from fear to focus. So think of someone in your life who you know has got a bit of a crazy brain right now. And actually, if they were to harness that cognitive potential, wow, they could have the next fantastic six months where anything is possible yeah and I think you're so right you know you don't need any more theory about this stuff believe it or not you'll learn 300 to 500 times faster by doing stuff rather than just reading about it and putting that on your to-do list just do it love it well, I can't wait for next week. So we're going to have our third in our July series of self-care. And next week is all about self-care for the carers. Yes. Who's looking after you if you're looking after all those people around you? So I can't wait for that one. Yeah, be a good one. Looking forward to it, Law. Love you lots. Yeah, love you loads. Bye. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email on secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Instagram at secretsfromacoach.com.